Have you ever considered your number one motivating purpose? Make a mental note of it before you continue. Purpose is actually a destination, and without purpose, one is meandering through life awaiting an accident. When there is no purpose, life falls apart quickly. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. If one's purpose has no eternal value, the end result will be disillusionment, hopelessness, and worse. If one's primary driving purpose is to gain an education in order to find gainful employment, college graduates can tell you that it doesn't always end as intended. College-educated individuals spend four to ten years of their lives in the classroom leaving with a diploma. However, most are ill-equipped to enter the workforce and end up saddled with student loans and debt. Some are even still paying off their debt at retirement. For many, the reality is time and money wasted. At best, it is very temporary. What if one's primary driving purpose is marriage? with life evolving around one's spouse. Even if you are among the fortunate who have a happy marriage, know that it will still end abruptly. Your spouse or you will die. All marriages, all of them, end in disillusionment or death. At best, it is very temporary. When natural purpose is not converted, it simply falls apart. All natural purposes, by necessity, must end this way. Most have never really considered their underlying driving purpose. For some, it will be careers, children, hobbies, fitness, health, wealth, comfortable retirement. Remember, all end abruptly. This is how life works when one's purpose has no promise. But it doesn't have to be like that. No, not by a long shot. Have you been born again, as Jesus said in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God, if you are to see the kingdom of God. At born again, you immediately inherit glorious eternal purpose. Here you become an eternal child of God, sent into the world to participate in the Great Commission. Mark sixteen fifteen and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Everything you do is unto Christ will be laden with eternal and marvelously fulfilling purpose. At born again, all your sin and shame will be expunged from your record. Here all of Satan's bondages will be broken, and I mean all, in just a moment. I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. At this place, everything will begin anew for you. You will become a new creature, a new kind of first fruits. James chapter 1, verse 18. Today you will be born again. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. God said, Romans 1, verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Man said, Who needs God in his old outdated Bible when you have the Internet that will tell you what to think and how to live life to the max? I feel so fortunate. I just asked my phone. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1064, that will once again confirm the perfect and supernatural inerrancy of God's holy Bible by highly accredited third-party sources. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting today. We are honored by your presence. May God's blessings of light and truth be multiplied. Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. And there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication." And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. This passage addresses the terrible spiritual condition of the world just prior to God's judgment. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, is full of names of blasphemy. She is the mother of harlots. The harlots are Satan's substitutes designed to replace the God of the Bible. The names of blasphemy would include names like evolution, the world's antichrist religions, ideologies that promote political unrest, any pseudo-knowledge that contradicts the word of God, the promotion of lust, the love of money, and more in this vein. Today's God of academia is evolution, which is the spirit of blasphemy, designed by Satan to replace God. Satan has succeeded in the hearts of millions. The theory of evolution is given top billing in academic literature and textbooks, in mainstream media, in the entertainment industry, and in politics, and to the total exclusion of its only real opponent, the God of the Bible and his Christ. Evolution's champions speak often and speak with a bold authority that they do not own. When their positions are challenged, they readily collapse. None of their positions hold under critical scrutiny simply because these positions are not true. Evolution, the theory of blasphemy, is a forbidden fruit hanging from the tree to make one wise. It is an abomination of deep proportions. Its godless, hedonistic spirit is the promoter of gross perversion of all kinds, including the world's number one, a promoter of racism and white supremacy. Those that bowed at evolution's throne would include Karl Marx, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and the mother of death, Margaret Sanger, along with her abortion revolution designed to control the proliferation of the undesirable people. 
How did the cancel culture miss it? Where are all the indignant protesters? Evolutionists are notorious for moving the goalposts, for changing the rules as they go. When their pet evo rationalizations are debunked from within their own ranks, no less, evolutionists simply adjust their unbelief and soldier on as though they had not just been thoroughly trounced. There were ten of them, some of evolution's finest minds, who contributed to the book published by new scientists titled Evolution Explains Everything About Life, from Darwin's brilliant idea to today's epic theory. In the second book, titled Does Evolution Explain Everything About Life? Answers from Ph.D. scientists, ten creation scientists fire back and more than soundly refute evolution's bravado. Regarding moving the goalposts, consider the following excerpts penned by Dr. Tasman Walker, mechanical engineer and geologist, and the aforementioned Does Evolution Explain Everything About Life? For example, the fossil fish, Tetaklik, uh, rosé, was claimed to be intermediate between fish and tetrapods. However, tracks of footprints found in a quarry in Poland, which researchers dated according to the evolutionary paradigm to some 18 million years earlier, indicated that the tetrapods existed before the supposed transitional form. In another example, the fossil Rhodocetus was claimed to be intermediate between land animals and whales. Early drawings of the animal showed a whale uh, like fluke and flippers, even though fossil evidence for the fluke and flippers was missing. However, further fossil discoveries revealed that the creature had neither a fluke nor flippers, rather a tail, hind limbs, and forelimbs. Evolutionists still portray Erotocetus as an intermediate, although the evidence no longer supports this. So the claims in How Evolution Explains Everything About Life are misleading. They give the impression that evolution is based on solid empirical evidence, and that if the evidence were not that way it is, uh, that evolution would be abandoned. But the fact is that the idea of evolution is unfalsifiable. No matter what fossil evidence is discovered, the evolution story can be modified to accommodate it. And the alleged thousands of so-called intermediate fossils that are referenced are just fossils. Evolution does not need these fossils because it's, it's already known to be true without them. But the fossils serve a useful purpose and that they provide a powerful impression to the layperson that evolution is being demonstrated to be true. People are not aware that evolutionists do not consider that they need fossil evidence to establish evolution, or that each of the transitional fossil claims is contested by other evolutionists, or that later discoveries change the story about individual fossils and cause evolutionists to quietly put the discredited fossil claims aside. End of quote. The following paragraphs regarding fossilized human footprints an evolutionist problem with them are written by biologist Chris Roop and a Cornell University research scientist and geneticist, Dr. John Sanford, in their book, Contested Bones. A headline reads, Mary Leakey's Findings, the Laetuli Footprints, 1976 to 1979. By far the most significant discovery from the Laetuli expeditions happened in 1976 when a few visiting scientists decided to throw 
dried lumps of elephant dung at each other. During the smelly debacle, paleontologist Andrew Hill fell onto what appeared to be a resistant layer, preserving an, an extraordinary variety of animal footprints that were fossilized in ash. The exposure was marked Site A and contained tens of thousands of tracks from diverse uh, African fauna, including trackways of insects, birds, apes, monkeys, rhinoceros, elephants, and much more. A total of 18 exposures were located and described in detail. The most exciting exposure was labeled Site G, excavated during the 1978 to 1979 field sessions. Tim White, paleoanthropologist best known for discovering Artie, was placed in charge of the excavation but parted ways with Mary Leakey, a paleoanthropologist heading the Latoli expedition, after the 1978 field session. He had left on bad terms with Mary for reasons that will become clear later. At Site G, a worker spotted what appeared to be a human heel impression. As the covering soil was removed, more prints were exposed, revealing an entire bipedal footprint trail cemented in the Latoli ash. A parallel trail of larger footprints was found soon after, which were later found to be a superimposed by the footprints of a smaller third individual. Mary described the fossil impressions as a well-preserved trail of undoubted human footprints and remarkably similar to those of modern men. The trail of 77 footprints extended for a combined distance of 80 feet. They were left by three individuals of different stature walking together in the same direction. Mary writes, It is tempting to see them as a man, a woman, and a child. Whether or not this is so, the middle-sized individual was stepping deliberately in the prints left by the largest. The Latoli G footprints were human in size, shape, and gait. They preserved a large heel impression, a well-developed arch, and a big toe in line with the other four toes, as opposed to a splayed-out grasping toe like chimps, and it's totally consistent with the feet of modern humans. As Mary commented, the essentially human nature and modern appearance of the footprints were quite extraordinary. Bruce Latimer, evolutionary paleo expert and expert on hominid foot anatomy, agreed, saying, When I saw those footprints being excavated, I thought, gosh, you'd lose these on a modern-day beach. They have an arch and a totally human gait. White, who had begun the excavation with Mary, also acknowledged its striking similarities to modern human footprints. Make no mistake about it. They are like modern human footprints. If one were left in the sand of a California beach today and a four-year-old were asked what it was, he would instantly say that somebody had walked there. He wouldn't be able to tell it from a hundred other prints on the beach, nor would you. The external morphology is the same. There is a well-shaped modern heel with a strong arch and a good ball on the foot in front of it. The big toe is straight in line. It doesn't stick out to the side like an ape toe or like the big toe in so many drawings you see of astrolopithecines in books. Distinguished primate morphologist and paleo expert from the University of Chicago, Russell Tuttle, was called on to carefully analyze the Latoli footprint trail. Tuttle concluded in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology, in discernible features, the Latoli G prints are indistinguishable from those of habitually barefoot Homo sapiens. 
Paleo expert Michael Day and colleague performed a detailed comparison of the Latoli footprints with modern humans. Day summarizes their findings uh, that were reported in Nature, stating, Details of the footprints, analyzed by photogrammetry, have been given and comparisons drawn with modern human experimental footprints, uh, Day and Wickens, 1980-Day, 1985. These studies conclude that the form of the foot during bipedal walking are remarkably similar to those of modern human habitually unshod barefooted, end of quote. Again from Rupin Sanford under the paragraph heading conclusion, no hominid bones are securely dated. Almost every hominid and hominid-bearing site that has ever been discovered, i.e. erected sites in Indonesia and Australia, several Neanderthal sites, Hobbit, Analogy, Lucy and her kind, uh, Afarensis, Habilis, the KBS tuff, and various astrolopith sites in South Africa, etc., have been dated and redated multiple times as techniques change and as theories are continually revised with new fossil discoveries on a regular basis. Dates that were once accepted as secure are abandoned, and new dates that are considered more reasonable are established. Headline, latest developments. Most recently, new findings of fossilized modern human-looking footprints from Crete were reported in Proceedings of the Geologist Association 2017. The footprints present a serious evolutionary dilemma for the paleo community because of their presumed age, 5.7 million years, two million years older than the Latoli footprints. This leaves them with only two possible resolutions, both of which are problematic for those who hope to hold on to the ape-to-man story. The first solution is to push back the origin of the genus Homo much earlier than previously thought, but this would mean Lucy and Artie and any other Pliocene age candidates can no longer be seen as credible ancestors to man. This would also require a total rewrite of the modern theory and would essentially erase the last 50 years of paleo research. All previous claims about the origin of man would be invalid. An alternative solution would be to call into question the reliability of the dating methods and redate the Crete footprints to obtain an age that agrees with the current ape-to-man narrative, just as they did with the KBS Tough. In Contested Bones, we suggest a third possibility, that the dating methods are fundamentally flawed and that the ape-to-man story is untenable, end quote. A final paragraph follows, written by Dr. Samuel Gann, molecular biologist in the book, Does Evolution Explain Everything About Life? How many times has the Word of God needed revising? Not once. Matthew 24, verse 35. Not once did the Bible record a slip of the tongue or something that had to be rewritten. Compared to the Bible, however, the authors of Heal suggest that for the umpteenth time, the evolution theory needs to be revised in the light of new information, e.g. molecular, biology, epigenetics, etc., maybe towards an extended evolutionary synthesis. While this might be conceded if the revision was certain to make evolution foolproof, 
It does nothing of the sort, of course. The proposed incorporation of new concepts into the old way of thinking highlights their failure to acknowledge that evolution is fatally flawed. It seems that they are clutching at reasons to continue rejecting the biblical account. End of quote. Of course, that's what they're doing. If they accept the truth of the scriptures, their entire house of cards collapses. Satan can't have that. Man's truth of yesterday is debunked by his truth of today, and his truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. But God's truth never changes. It is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. God said, Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Man said, who needs God in his old outdated Bible when you have the Internet that will tell you what to think and how to live life to the max? I feel so fortunate. I just asked my phone. Now you have the record.